0: We're here. We're about to start Hebrews. Are you ready? I don't think anybody's nearly as excited. I'm so excited to start Hebrews with you guys. I've been thinking about this and praying about this for so long. Um, this, it all started... Well, I don't really know when it started that I felt drawn to this book for us. But I know one of the key factors was in one of our deacon meetings. Uh, you know, We meet and we pray for you guys, the church and direction. And, and we look over our members... All all the folks that, you know, have said, I'm I'm committed to be a part of of this church. You know, I'm a brother and sister of Christ. We're one together. And and we look at many who have sort of fallen away or faded away or kind of been on the fringes and stepped away. And uh, we're kind of grieving over how much we miss some folks. And there's a billion different reasons for why. Uh, There's as many reasons as there are individuals. Um, But you know what I mean. You look around. There's some folks and you're like, man, I just miss such and such being here and um, we got to talking about membership and it was suggested, well, maybe I should preach a sermon series about membership itself and and the glories of it and what it means and, and why it's good and how we look at it as a church. And um, and that may be appropriate sometime. I never felt quite settled about going that route. Um, and then in my own reading, I started to be drawn to Hebrews more and more. And I realized that the, the whole function of the book of Hebrews is exactly what I want. For our church right now as Doolin's Grove, I, I just really want us to rally around Jesus Christ. And so the book of Hebrews, all it does throughout all the 13 chapters is it just holds up Jesus and, and we just we behold him from every different angle. Now this, is, this may not seem immediately like what you want Um, you know, your gut reaction, many of us, what we want is seven tips to be a better dad or, you know, six ways to, you know, steward our finances better, you know, tips and tricks to do good things in life is kind of what our human heart craves. And there's a place for that. And that's not bad, but we have to remember, and we will remember this summer that Jesus is the source Jesus is the source for truth. He is the source for life. He is the source for peace. He is the source for joy. He is the source for direction. He is the source for understanding who in the world you are, what you're created for, what you're meant to be and do. He is the, the vine that we are branches from. And we can easily get disconnected from him and, and start to try to graft ourselves into tips and tricks for better living. But yet wither. And I think many people find that. Many church people find that. And we can get very involved in a lot of church things and still get disconnected from Jesus. It's so easy to get disconnected from Jesus. And when we do, we wither. And we shrivel. And spiritually, we just sort of die. So... We are going to graft deeply into Jesus this summer. We're going to, we're going to behold him. That's what the sermons are for. We're going to study and examine him. That's what Sunday school is going to be for. We're going to discuss and, and, um, figure out how to work these truths of the glory of Jesus Christ down deep into the bedrock of our lives. That's what house to house is for, where we talk about it together. We're going to do all this this summer. And my hope isn't just that we learn a lot about Jesus. It's not just that we're smarter about him, but it's that we know him more deeply, that we trust him more deeply, that we follow him more truly in more real ways than ever before and that we live because of it. That's, that's my, my big scheme. That's what I'm after as your pastor. That's my prayer. So we're going to begin this Sunday with Hebrews chapter 1 and I'm very thankful that our children are going to join us this morning Okay, so show me, I've got lots of kids in here, actually, as I look around, plenty of children, and it's good to have you in here, and I want you to know there are two ways that you can participate in this sermon, okay? Now this, some of you may be too young, some of you, this may be right up your alley. One way we've done before. And that is if you draw a picture of anything you hear during the sermon and give it to me, I'm going to feature it on our website because I always type up a recap of my sermons and put them on the website. I know you guys pour over it every Monday evening, but I'm always looking for pictures to put with it on the website. So that's one way you can participate. Grab some scrap paper from your mom or dad or your whoever's sitting beside you and draw a picture or pictures of things you hear me preaching about. Another way, and there's a prize for this one. Well, I'll give you a prize for the pictures too. But if you can count how many times you hear me say, Jesus, just make a tally. If you'll show me that, if you're in the ballpark at the end, you'll get some candy. Yes, I'm bribing children to listen to my sermon. Okay? You're going to hear the name of Jesus a lot during this sermon and this summer. So be listening for it kiddos, and show me your your tally, show me your totals at the end, and if I'm satisfied, you'll get a little little treat. And uh, no, I'm not giving any cash prizes to the adults. I expect y'all to listen anyway. So let's begin Hebrews. I'm going to read all of chapter one. We're going to fly through Hebrews this summer. We're going to do the whole book in just the summer, which is insane because it's so glorious. As awesome as Romans was, Again, I know I may have thought it was more awesome than anybody else. Hebrews may be even better. Um, I, there's one um, theologian and teacher that I read and listen to a lot. His name is R.C. Sproul. I don't know if you've ever heard of him. Brilliant guy. Um, but he has said that if he were ever imprisoned or something or stuck on a desert island and he could only have one book, it would be, of course, the Bible. But if he could only have one book of the Bible, it would be Hebrews. And he said, as he was teaching, I was listening to this on a podcast, he said, I know you probably would have thought Romans, so he's a man after my own heart, but he said, he said really Romans, I kind of get, but Hebrews is so glorious and mysterious, there's stuff in here that I'm going to preach, and we're going to study, and then we're going to discuss, and we're still not going to fully be able to grasp it, it's just, it's glory, there's glories in here. So where Romans, we learned a lot about salvation and how that worked. In Hebrews, we learned very specifically about Jesus himself and who he is and where he is today. And uh, it's going to be great. So Hebrews chapter 1, follow along with me either on your Bibles or on the screen. And you can remain seated because we're going to read the entire chapter together. And kids, you're ready? you listening for Jesus? Okay. Long ago... At many times, and in many ways, it's sort of like Star Wars in a galaxy. How does it go? Elias could probably tell me. Long ago, at many times, and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. He is the radiance of I will be to him a father, and he shall be to me a son. And again, when he brings the firstborn into the world, he says, let all God's angels worship him. Of the angels, he says, he makes his angels winds and his ministers a flame of fire. But of the son, he says, your throne, O God, is forever and ever. The scepter of righteousness is the scepter of your kingdom. You have loved righteousness and hated wickedness. Therefore, God, your God, has anointed you with the oil of gladness beyond your companions. And you, Lord, laid the foundation of the earth in the beginning. And the heavens are the work of your hands. They will perish, but you remain. They will all wear out like a garment. Like a robe, you will roll them up. Like a garment, they will be changed. But you are the same, and your years will have no end. And to which of the angels has he ever said, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet? Are they not all ministering spirits sent out to serve for the sake of those who are to inherit salvation? Ends on a little cliffhanger rhetorical question there. Let's pray together before we delve in. Father, thank you for this book. Thank you for Jesus. Would you please just make him manifest among us? Will you... uh, Give us eyes that see him and ears that can hear him and a heart that loves and longs for him. May we meet with him this morning and be grafted into him deeply. May we behold his glory and trust him and live in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay. So there's no way we can cover this whole chapter in one sermon, obviously. So what I'd like to do is just pull out three truths about Jesus that I think will set the tone for our summer together. And these are all going to come from the first paragraph, really. So the first one is this. Jesus is God speaking to us. Did I get that right up there? Jesus is God speaking to us. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus is God speaking to us. Okay, look back at verse, verses 1 and 2. Note how the author of Hebrews just launches straight in. See, most of the New Testament letters, there's a greeting and it says, you know, hi, this is to the church in Ephesus from Paul or, you know, something like that. This just launches straight in and many people don't think that this is a letter at all, but that it's a manuscript of a sermon, which, I don't know, there's evidence that goes either way, but it's interesting to think about. A little bonus tidbit for you. Long ago, at many times, and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. So the emphasis as he begins is on how fragmented God's communication with his people has always been up to the point of Jesus. He's given them little bits through different prophets and through different ways, through visions or dreams or signs that he had the prophets to do, all through the Old Testament. And so the Jewish people, it's like they had these, these pieces of a jigsaw puzzle, and they're putting them together. How many of you have ever done a jigsaw puzzle? Any of you kids like jigsaw puzzles? Not so much. Lucky definitely does not. He was decisive, shaking his head. Have you ever – we do this when we go to the beach, not we, the uh, women of my family – will commandeer the coffee table in the living room area and they'll start a big puzzle and all week they'll work on it. Um, Have you ever worked really hard like that for a week or longer on a puzzle and then gotten to the end and been missing a piece? Isn't that the most infuriating thing that can happen to a human being? Basically, that's what God's people had always had. they had had a puzzle and they had had a glorious picture of God and his revelation and what he meant for the world and it was, they could get an idea from it but it was always missing this big sort of cross-shaped section. This one big piece. When Jesus came, that piece locked in and in Jesus Christ we have the final piece of the puzzle, the final and best communication from God to mankind. So Jesus is God speaking to us. You know, some of us, we'd like to hear from God. Some of you would like to hear from him. You're wrestling with some decision, or you feel like you're isolated and all alone in some sort of pain, and you just wish he would sit down and speak to you. And see, in our, you know, we have just a little human brain. You know, we only understand a little bit. See, in God here, he's saying to us, I have, I have spoken to you everything you need to know. In the person of Jesus Christ. If you want to hear from me. Look at Jesus Christ. Read what I gave you about Jesus Christ. Pray and commune with Jesus Christ. And in so doing. In beholding Jesus. You are hearing from me. I am speaking to you. I am speaking to you the best and fullest. And most complete communication you will ever need from me. Jesus Christ is God speaking to us. And This summer. If, if you will go with me here, if you will give yourself to this with me, you will hear from him. You will hear God's voice. So Jesus is God speaking to us. Number two, Jesus is also God showing himself to us. Jesus is God's voice and God's image. He is God speaking to us and he is God showing himself to us. Look at the beginning of verse 3. Speaking, Referring to Jesus, it says, He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. And he upholds the universe by the word of his power. Such beautiful language about our Lord. Such beautiful language about our Savior. Just look at just the first part. He is the radiance of the glory of God. The radiance of the glory of God. Of God, So you have God, and then you have God's glory. And God's glory here is pictured as radiating, sort of like the sun. Okay, Some of us are more sensitive to the rays of the sun than others. You know, if any me or my kids go outside, we have to be completely coated in sunscreen and hats and long-sleeve. I wear a long-sleeve shirt at the beach. That's how sensitive we are. And the sun is so far away, yet the rays are so powerful that it heats the whole earth. It lights our way. That's sort of a small picture of what God's like. God is bigger and greater and grander and more glorious than we can fully understand. And here we see this startling and strange statement that Jesus is the radiance of God's glory. He is everything that shines about God. And he goes on. He's also the exact imprint of of his nature, the exact imprint of his nature. That language is like a, um, a mold being pressed down, so a sort of a representation pressed down into some clay, and then you have an exact imprint, an exact representation of the original. See, Jesus, when we look at him, we are seeing an exact imprint, an exact reputa- um, representation of God's nature. Anything we want to know about God, we see it. In Jesus, Jesus is God's full self-disclosure, His full communication to us. To put it in language that some of these folks over here might get better, Jesus is God's selfie. Yeah, <laughs> I always thought the selfie thing was is. Honestly, I still do think the selfie thing is kind of ridiculous. We're taking pictures of ourselves and then distributing them. You know. 10 years ago that would have been seen as incredibly egotistical if y'all came in and I had taken a picture of myself and I was just passing it out hey I took this picture of me at the park yesterday I thought you might want to look at it You'd be like what's with him he needs to get over himself a little bit but we do it all the time and it's a thing and there's Instagram and you put it on Facebook and you tweet it And um, anyway that's not the point of my sermon um, but you know it kind of is because I've always thought why do we humans do these things But, you know, we are made in God's image. We're creatures made in his image. Maybe that's some, perhaps distorted, but some part of God's image in us that we want to pass on these representations because that's exactly what God did in Jesus Christ. It's exactly what he did. He gave us a, a portrait of himself, an exact imprint of his nature. So some of you, Maybe you're entering into this summer and you would like to know God better and you would like to, to see him even. We're going to see him as we behold Jesus Christ. So Jesus is God speaking to us. Jesus is God showing himself to us. And lastly, and this is the, uh, the title of the whole sermon series, Jesus is above all. Now that seems like something you would see on a Christian t-shirt or something. But I want you to hear it as absolutely and concrete 100% true. Jesus is above all. Now the main passage we'll we'll look at for this is um the second half of verse 3 and verse 4, but really the whole chapter is about this and you may have noticed that I um I just skipped over some some big phrases in this chapter so far i didn 't even talk about him being the heir of all things. What does that mean i didn 't talk about him um, it says that God appointed Jesus the heir of all things what through whom Jesus through whom he created the world what so so here we have these two massive truths that i didn 't even look at. Jesus has been appointed the heir of all things he 's going to going to um, inherit everything, and he was the, the vessel through whom God created everything. I mean, most of us think that Jesus started in the... Um, the uh, what was he in? In the Christmas? Huh? The manger, thank you. Man, <laughs> he has completely lost it. Most of us think that that's where he began, but here we see that he was present in creation, and he was actually an essential part of the creation of everything? How does that work? I basically just skipped over those because we there's no way we can delve into the glories of that. For right now and maybe we'll talk about that during Sunday school next week. For right now, put that in the same category as Romans 11. Okay? You remember in Romans, we worked for years through Romans chapters 1 through 10. Years hard theology. I mean, Romans is difficult hard plowing. And you know, we learned about election and predestination and difficult stuff. And then we got to Romans 11, when Paul's about to, to pivot and start to talk about more life application stuff, more practical things. And his whole conclusion is this, and this, this is sort of what we have to chalk this up to for the moment. All the depth of the riches and wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and how inscrutable his ways for who has known the mind of the Lord or who has been his counselor or who has given a gift to him that he may be repaid and this is where it really connects with these strange and mysterious glories of the first part of Hebrews. For from him for from Jesus and through Jesus and to Jesus are all things. Everything's from him, everything's through him, everything's to him. Everything is about Jesus. He is the secret of life. You know, you remember in the old cartoons and stuff, it would always be, you know, someone found the secret of life. It's Jesus. He is the big missing puzzle piece. It's all about him. Everything that you are confused about in your life isn't about you. It's about Jesus. And that may be hard for you to connect with because it's a strange thing, but it's absolutely true. It's absolutely true. And I trust that the Holy Spirit will help us to understand this as we go along the summer. For from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be glory forever. Amen. Jesus is awesome. And then, and then he goes on. After making purifications for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. Jesus made purification for our sins. He died on the cross so we might be forgiven, cleansed, made pure, new, uh, be able to relate to God who is holy. Now, usually that's where we stop. Usually that's the climax of when we talk about Jesus. He made purification for our sins. But we see now there's much more to Jesus than just purification for our sins. After doing that, that's done. Check that off of his to-do list. He sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. What does that look like? What does that mean? If, if before I read that sentence, if I had said, quick, Picture Jesus. What would have flashed into your mind? Would it have been a baby in a manger? Or maybe him looking placid in uh, some sort of desert landscape looking off into the sky? Or him at the the table at the Lord's, you know, the, the last supper? Or maybe him on the cross? He's not in any of those places. That's not what he looks like right now. If we could see, which we can't possibly understand, but if we could see him now, this is what he looks like now. Seated at the right hand of the majesty on high. Isn't that glorious? I don't even understand it. I, I, don't, I can't get that into any boxes in my thinking, but that's where he is right now. Sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, having become as much superior to angels as the name he has inherited is more excellent than theirs. And then he goes on for the whole rest of the chapter, just pounding the angels. You angels think you're so awesome? Look at Jesus. And, and I don't know that we think about angels that much. These people must have. Okay, but just, just to step into their shoes a little bit, though, and just think about it. Imagine that you did see an angel. Okay, however you've always imagined angels looking, imagine it appears behind me right now. Okay, often when angels appeared throughout Scripture, the people who saw them fell down on their face and started trying to worship the angels. Or they were so terrified, the angels would have to say, don't be afraid. Or they would have to say, don't worship me, I'm not God, I'm an angel. So here we see in Scripture, you know, angels are a, a certain level of glorious. Okay, so, so they're up here. Jesus is like way up there. Infinitely more glorious than angels. Infinitely more glorious and then he goes through a billion reasons why, and, you know, I'm not going to go through all that right now because we can't do it justice. But for now, to begin this Sunday, our trek through Hebrews and our, our summer together, know that Jesus is God speaking to us. Jesus is God showing himself to us. And Jesus is above all. And The youth went through a study um, a little while back, and sort of the theme quote of it, it was a theological thing. Sort of the quote that was the theme for it was a quote from a man named A.W. Tozer. Uh, he's a pastor, preacher, wrote a lot. may have heard of him, maybe not. But he has this quote, and it goes something like this. Um, what you believe about God is the most important thing about you. That was the quote. What you believe about God is the most important thing about you. What I'm saying to you now at the outset of our summer together What you believe about and how you relate to Jesus Christ is the most important thing about you. What you believe and how well you know and and what your relationship is like with Jesus Christ is the most important thing about you, who you are, and your life. It's not your kids. It's not your spouse. It's not your family. It's not your body and, and your physical appearance. It's not your stuff, it's not your home, it's not your career path, it's not your decisions. It's not the consequences of past decisions you're living with. It's not your sin, it's not your struggles. It's your knowledge of and relationship with Jesus Christ. This summer we're going to behold him and examine him and discuss him. But more importantly, I pray and hope that we hear from him and we see him and we grow to know him and trust him. And follow him more deeply than ever before. So let's pray for that together now. Would you bow with me? Father, thank you for giving us the book of Hebrews. And it gives us this peek into these glories that I I feel very small in light of. I don't feel like I'm capable of this. But we're just going to humbly pick our way through the book and and trust you to lead us and guide us and speak to us. and. Lord, along the way, would you please, please, please enable each and every one of us and us as a church to have a very real encounter with Jesus Christ and to truly, really see and hear from him and grow to know and trust him and follow him. For it's in his name we pray. Amen.